Are you wanting to create a highly prosperous photography business doing what you love? Or maybe you have a great business already and want to up your game? Then you're in the right place. Master craftsman photographer Lucy Dumas and her guests are here to support you on your journey. Now here's your hostess and tour guide, Lucy. Continuous improvement is better than delayed perfection. Mark Twain. And that's our guest's favorite quote. So I thought I'd start with that. Thanks again for joining me as I have great conversations about the profitable photographer's journey. Did you know that the fastest way to be successful on that journey is not to go it alone? I would love to support you. And this week I am offering the first three people that send an email to lucy at lucydumas.com, and that's Lucy with an I, with the title, Yes, Please, I'm offering a free photography business of your dream strategy session. Be sure to put all your contact information into the email and why this would be the perfect time for you to take a deep dive into your goals and challenges. So now I want to introduce you to my special friend, Attila Adam. Attila is an award-winning independent filmmaker and photographer based in Los Angeles. While working in commercial film production for over a decade, he turned his passion of photography into a full-time business. As a freelancer, he's currently focused on lifestyle and portrait photography, and you can find his commercial work at recognizable brands such as Vivo, Twitter, Hotel Tonight, Macy's, on and on and on. I'm going to be out of breath if I list them all. So welcome, Attila. I'm excited to have you on my show. Hi, Lucy. What an honor. And thank you so much for that introduction. Very kind of you. Well, you're amazing. So (laughs) we were talking before we started recording a little about how we both got started. And we have some of that in common. So I'd love for you to share briefly how you became a commercial photographer with a side order of how you got into photography as a profession. Yeah, that's, that was funny how you mentioned it, that we basically were doing the same thing. Yeah. I think about 20, 30 years ago when I was much younger, I was running around with disposable cameras. Basically I was the person with the film camera at any and all events, uh, whether it was for friends or family. And I just enjoy taking pictures, have it developed at Walmart or Target, I don't even remember. And then later when digital cameras came in, I had a point and shoot and I just kept shooting and I would just load them into one of the photo apps and I would edit them. And people didn't believe me that I was taking these pictures with a small camera because they looked so good. So that's how I think that just kind of, I fell into it by, in a natural way. And how I relate to that is I was always the kid with the brownie Hawkeye for people that have been around a while, you know what that is. And then when those little 110s came out and the quality difference was so bad in comparison. So by the time I got a camera, which was when I was 26. So my story is I was on vacation with a guy I was dating and he bought a Canon AE1 but he didn't know how to load film or take pictures and he was cute, but he wasn't the sharpest tack in the, in the box. So I figured out how to use it. And the first photographs that came out of that, that he sent me, I was gobsmacked at the quality 
and realized I was at a place where I could afford a camera. And just like you, the rest is history. So how did you decide to be a commercial photographer? And tell me a little about that journey. I think it's kind of interesting. It it may be very similar to other people's stories. So with the introduction of iPhone, suddenly we all had a decent camera in our pockets. And I think my curiosity and my picture taking had accelerated to a crazy, enormous amount of hours and pictures. And it became a full-on hobby of mine or passion of mine. And a friend of mine suggested to, to join Instagram. And I was one of the earlier adapters of the app. And I started posting regularly, sharing a lot of my pictures with people. I was getting feedback from all over the world, which was really exciting to me because I never had any conversation about my pictures before. I think prior to that, I was uh, sharing them on Flickr, but it wasn't really, I I wasn't part of any of the groups and, and there was no conversation about those pictures. So I felt like that was a lonely experience versus Instagram, which is a very social experience. So being on Instagram gave you a lot of feedback, it sounds like, where you realized, hey, maybe I'm pretty good at this. It's that, it was definitely a, a confidence booster, for sure. And, and, and it, it also made me feel, in a certain way, I couldn't put my finger on it, what it was, but, but it was just a good feeling to be able to like, have people relating to what you're doing, like seeing things the way you're seeing, or maybe showing them a different way of how they have seen and just like everyone else, I used to, you know, photograph just the sunset, like for the colors. I would do flowers and the petals of the rose petals and stuff like that, which is kind of funny to look back on. I still photograph the sunset, but yeah, I don't imagine I'm going to sell it anywhere <laughs> anytime soon. So how did that lead to commercial photography? Well, it was kind of interesting because I've seen like commercial film production because that's the company that I was working for. They were producing national and international commercials. So I knew the space. I knew how production, like I knew the all facets of production. And when I realized that photography was probably doing the same thing for print, it was just a comfortable space for me to keep it in front of me as a target place. Like I wanted to become a commercial photographer and I think what helped me achieve that goal was is that Instagram uh, put me on their suggested user list after a while as, I, as my followings have grown. And eventually, companies and brands started to reach out to me. And I saw potential in, in that kind of a work. Mm. One of the things that I wrote down when I was, I don't know, college age, was a quote that was about how to figure out what you're supposed to do in life. And because of course, at that point, I was like, what am I supposed to do in my life? (laughs) And it's watch what your hand falls to naturally and continue doing more of that. And so your story about how this naturally unfolded for you tells me that that's what you did, that you you know, you took a direction, you started doing things, you started paying attention to what you liked, and it it kind of flowed. Does that seem accurate? It's so true, because at that point, I was taking a lot of pictures of 
landscapes and you know little people in landscapes and and so that was a certain style to it and when i saw that there was a business opportunity i started including more people i started to take more portraits i start paying attention to wardrobe and design i started to coordinate my shoots a little better because i wanted to i wanted to create a better work and i wanted to be more attractive to potential companies and brands so yeah very true yeah so something I've been curious about that I know you've done is doing, is it stills on movie sets? Yes. Yeah. So tell me more about that. And I'm sure that people who live all over the world would be especially interested in hearing about that because it, you know, movies, like who doesn't want to know more about the inside story of that? So tell me how a photographer works on a movie set or just all about that. Part of my work comes from, well, let me just rewind for a second. I, I was very fortunate that I was working in the commercial business. So people already known me for being me. But for, for, I have to tell you that I was an editor, in-house editor. So I worked with video. All right. When I, when I switched over to stills, I loved it because it was a quiet space for me like video i feel like it's busy and it's full of action and cuts and all that stuff creating a still is just a lot more peaceful creation for me it's a, a production it's a lot more peaceful production so when i told the people who i have worked with before what i was doing or what i intended to do some of them kept me in mind and they invited me on sets to do the jobs that i wanted to do now so they gave me an opportunity so what do you what does a photographer do on a movie set or a commercial set or whatever? Yeah, so if it's a movie set which I haven't done, I think I've done once. Mostly it's behind the scenes. So if you're working on a feature or a short film and you're the behind the scenes photographer, you usually create pictures from the set that is very similar to what the movie or the or the, or the film looks like for their promotional purposes. Sometimes you do it for them to create prints for posters and, you know, banners and ads. And other times you do it for the company itself for, to promote themselves. So you also take pictures of people doing things. So you take pictures of the gaffers, of the lighting set, of the director, you know, the video village. Like you include everything. So basically you're almost like an event photographer, right? Mm-hmm. Because you're you're, you know, you're photographing the event, except the event takes place 10 hours and you're also doing setups on the side. So is it fun? Oh, it's it's a lot of fun. You have a good story about, you know, something, an experience? (laughs) There are always stories, you know, Lucy, you know how it goes. There's stories with every shoot. (laughs) I'm wondering if there's, there's something that comes to mind that people would like to know more about I think, you know, there's, there's another thing about it too, is that sometimes I can't really talk too much about it because there are celebrities involved and there are, you know, or famous people or actors that we know, but I have these basic ideas, like basic stories when I'm not aware of what's going on, which I should be and stepping into a scene, you know, oh. accident <laughs> and everybody calls cut and you're like the biggest <laughs> jerk in the world or sometimes they just want some time you know for themselves to 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 rehearse or go over the lines and you come in with your camera and suddenly they look up like they give you that look like who are you what are you doing in here why are you here and those are uncomfortable and you know at the end you're gonna laugh about it but there are always these instances you know 
Or um, I think last week I knocked something over. I kicked over a C stand, but then I caught it with my other hand. So everything. <laughs> okay, so and then it goes like, oh, <laughs> so it just it went from zero to a hundred. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's like that's that's the most important thing. Like, I think what's wonderful about it is that you're in this creative environment and you're working with people who have kind of the same mindset and same passions as you are but maybe for music or for acting or for cinematography or for lighting. But it's, 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 it's working with a lot of people in conjunction and, and creating something uh, bigger than any of us alone. And I think that's a, that's a beautiful experience. I would think you would learn a lot from being in that environment and seeing like the best lighting technicians and seeing how they light and, you know, just the whole environment. Is, is that true? Is it like, it's like a little master class every time. Yeah, and and not only that, but also it creates a comfort level for me to step onto bigger sets on my own production. So you you know me working for something that has fifty to sixty people or eighty, and everybody has their own role, and you know the lights are ten times bigger than whatever we have at home, and and there are four people that needs to set up a silk screen and and and, you know, uh, gel something or, or put a, a softer light somewhere else and move it over. It, it, it gives you ideas of how you control your little own sets and, and how you make something look good. I worked on quite a few car commercials, and it's amazing to see how they control the natural light and lift up uh, the troubled areas with, with, with artificial light and, and, and what they do, or, you know, how, how they get that done while maintaining skin tones for example on actors mm. it's just it's just you learn something all the time and the other part is is the language you know like how they speak to each other to 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 get for op- optimum performance you know it's it's less words but more direct words and and, and yeah it's always an educational scenario hey attila yes <laughs> you've assisted me do you ever need an assistant on a movie set sometimes um so i i have to mention yes and no so so i have to mention that there are other scenarios when i work on a commercial and then it's not for behind the scenes but it's in tandem with cinematography so what happens is that they have these vignettes and these pieces that they have to put together for a commercial and they also need stills so then i have to talk to the director and i have to talk to the dp Maybe I don't, but I introduce myself and so that I can communicate with them and I have to be in and out of the way really quick. So when they have one set up and they have one action, then I, when they call it cut and they are happy with what they have, then I have to say, can you hold it for two more minutes? Let me take some stills. And I step in and I do the same scenario or the same setup, the same look for print. I was just trying to work my way onto a movie set with you. So... Oh, <laughs> okay. you're always invited. <laughs> okay, so we're going to talk about tips to grow your business. But first, I, I know you do a lot of personal projects that support you in your growth and build your portfolio and, you know, let things unfold. So can you talk about personal projects and the value and the value to someone who is continuing to build a more profitable business. Absolutely. I think, I think personal projects are so important. And 
I know that a lot of people have kind of stumbled upon the importance of it. And I'm going to talk about it real quick. I have to tell you that I, I kind of did it like coincidentally. When I left my job, I was promised, I made a promise to myself. And the promise was is this, is that if I'm going to give up what I have, the security of a paycheck with benefits and all that stuff, and by the way, sideline, because a lot of people don't know, I am actually married and I have two kids and a mortgage. So there are a lot of responsibilities in what I do. And it, and it kind of seemed selfish when I just kind of gave up a secure job to go into something that is more like a wild, wild west and a lot of unknowns. I made a promise to myself that I would use my camera every day because otherwise what's the point for me to, 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 to switch over to something if I'm not going to be doing it. That makes total sense. Right. Can you talk briefly about your boxer? I just love that whole set of images and the show that you did. And I think people might find that really fun. For sure. So for personal projects, I, I decided that, I was going to shoot things that I haven't done before and not only for experience, but also learning new tricks and also adding new assets to my toolbox. The very first example and a confirmation for a personal project was when I asked a friend of mine to model for me in in downtown Los Angeles in like a three-piece suit. He looked amazing. He was a sharp dresser. I was like, I don't have a suited look in my portfolio yet. So let me see if I can get something. We walked around. We shot for like an hour or two hours. I forget. We had coffee. I went home. I loved some of the stuff how it came out. I posted the pictures. Two weeks later, Macy's had contacted me. They wanted a suited look. And I got commissioned to do a small project for one of their lines. And uh, I handed in about five or ten pictures. I forget. But That was like my first confirmation is that I'm on the right track. Like there's something to be like, I I realized now two months or two, two, three years into it that a lot of times when I do things on my own, other things come in because people do see your work and they trust you with something that you already done. So it's easier to get a job if you have done a job before. So job in quotation marks because it's not a real job when you do it for fun. But I look at it as a job. You know, I put it together as a personal job versus a personal project. So I love that story. (laughs) Um, So (laughs) Beginner's luck. Yeah. (laughs) So I wanted to hear more specifically about the boxer. Yeah, let me get to that. So as I was working on my personal projects, I realized that I needed something a little bit bigger, maybe a little bit longer. And so I decided to photograph my friend who's a boxer from all the way from his training to his boxing match, which was taking place uh, two months later. And I also started incorporating other details and I've done a lot of portraits of him. And that's what I wanted to kind of work on for my storytelling. In seeing the photographs from that, I now look at boxing completely differently. I I was watching Raging Bull last night, and because I saw your pictures of your story, I feel like I have a more of an inside understanding. So yeah, it was really powerful. That's so funny you mentioned Raging Bull because it was an inspiration for me although I knew that I didn't want to shoot it mm-hmm. as Raging Bull. 
because I don't want to, I'm always afraid to be copying someone. I really don't want to do that. I know that's like, like a nicest form of flattering. I always want to stay away from stuff that is known and seen. I want to, you know, invent new things and, and I want to create new things. But what I did learn, and I have a lot of respect for the filmmakers, it's really hard to tell a story of a, such a dynamic sport with stills because it's hard to freeze the moment at the crucial moment. Like, I, I struggle with that so much. So for you to tell me that you liked the project overall, that means a great deal. And I thank you for that. Lisa. You're welcome. One of the things when I'm coaching people or even just having conversation with people that are like, how can my work be better? I always suggest exposing ourselves to art and film and museums and galleries and studying books and, and, and so forth. And so it sounds like there was an impact or an influence without it being a specific copy. Definitely. Yes. Yeah. I did a session. Do you know who John Singer Sargent is? Yes. He's my very favorite portrait painter and I love the quality of light and it's what I aspire to. And I will humbly say I'm pretty successful <laughs> at it. And I did a portrait session once in a home and of children and then the family and they had a singer sergeant print in the wall and that kind of got me in that mood and i did two photographs one of the son and one of the daughter that just felt right and later i realized i had totally recreated two of his most famous paintings but i wasn't planning on it it just is in my visual brain so that when things fell in place where to stand how to pose you know, it was back there as a resource. So I completely agree with that. And I, when that happens, I don't fight it because I know subconsciously we do things as is, which is why consciously I try to stay away from things. And, and then if it happens, if it's similar, I'm not going to hide it. I'm not going to put it away. Uh, I'll own it, but I might not look at it the same way as uh, something that, you know, I feel like it's more original to me. Yeah. <laughs> do you remember that old poster? expose yourself to art did you ever see that i think i did yes it, where it's a guy in a trench coat and from <laughs> <Yeah>. the back <laughs> i can't i can't ever think of that but anyway so attila and i highly recommend exposing yourself to art <laughs> in a tasteful way All right so you have like four areas that are hot tips on growing your business so i would love for you to we're wrapping it up sort of we've got you know maybe five more minutes or so so can you share those tips for our wonderful listeners so i just wanted to mention real quick that in general a business be before it becomes profitable it probably takes two three years of, of hard work and, 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 and patience and i think i want to mention that that i have these tips for for your business to grow is because this is what I have been doing for the last two, three years. And it may not be like the best business or the biggest, but definitely keeps my head above the water. So if I could just talk about a few things, I think if you're a creator, if you're a photographer, and you know something that you think would be valuable to others, I would highly recommend you to create workshops. And 
not only it's a good way to teach others, but also it's a good way to connect with other photographers or up-and-coming photographers. I also attended workshops to better my skills and make connections with people who were in the same field. I know also you've recently done some portfolio reviews. So can you tell me about that? Yeah. So even though I knew a lot about commercial photography, I'm still fairly new to the field. And I had to learn a lot of stuff from podcasts, online search, whatever you can think of. I don't have anybody in, in the business as, as, as a family member or, or someone really close to me who can recommend me or, or, or create opportunities for me. So I have to go after them. If I want to do bigger jobs and I want to offer my services, I realized that I had to create actually a printed portfolio first. And I, I made that last year. And with that portfolio, I start showing up at portfolio reviews. And the biggest one is the one in uh, Palm Springs Photo Festival. And I've learned a great deal. I've got a lot of feedback. And it's the best way to actually start making connections with art directors, art buyers, art producers, gallery, cura gallery curators. For example, if you're a fine, uh, fine art photographer, then maybe you want to have portfolio review with people who own or run galleries. And also you meet magazine and newspaper editors, advertising agency people, etc. And just like with your personal business, when you work with people, you need to start making connections. You need to have a community. You need to have people that you can reach out to, maybe share work with or ask questions from. That sounds like such an amazing opportunity. What's that called, the Palm Springs event? Oh, it's called the Palm Springs Photo Festival, and it goes for five days, but portfolio review is, is part of it. Sounds like I need to go next time. <laughs> so tell me about the competitions and promotions aspect of growing your business. I want to go back for one second and mention that for, that for portfolio reviews, usually it's a paid meeting. So you pay for 15 or 30 minutes of their time. And just like with everything, it's a little bit of an investment in your own business. And so you have to do due diligence and find the right person to show your work to, just mm. like with everything else. Sounds like it's worth it if you pick the right people and that it can really pay off in a big way. I've made connections in the past and I'm stay, staying in touch with them. You also have to know that work could come two weeks later or two years later, but you have to keep talking to people, show your work. And when something, when everything aligns and the works looks good, you might get the phone call. You just, you just have to keep going. Mm -hmm. I love the expression, one thing leads to another. Exactly. So like, do you know the story of the guy that hooked a bunch of weather balloons onto a lawn chair? I know the guy on YouTube who I think he traded in a pin and ended up with a house. So I think it's really similar. <laughs> so, well, the, he was bored or something. And so he attached weather balloons to his lawn chair with the thought that and I think he had like a, a gun that where he was going to break them when he was ready to come down. Well, he ended up getting into like airspace, FAA airspace, and they <laughs> had to get him down and he was arrested. And they asked him, why did you do that? And he said, well, because you can't just sit there. 
That's amazing. I think I've seen him on the news. Wasn't he from New Zealand or something like that? I don't know. It was a while back. I think I remember yeah. seeing him. Like they got him down from a, like a chair. He had balloons attached to that. Front. Yes. And the, the point of my bringing it up is we can't just sit here. You know, we, we got to, when you do something, something else will lead to something else, which leads to something else. So I know that competitions and promotions are something that you love to do and share with people about how that grows a business. Can you tell me a little about that? I think there are so many competitions and promotions that are out there. I I bet there are hundreds of them. But if you look at just the most basic ones, like local print competitions, whether it's for wedding or headshots or Nat Geo has a website called Nat Geo Your Shot Challenges. And you can constantly upload pictures for free and see if anybody, if it wins uh, that category, for example. Sony World Photography Awards, it's happening every year. And they also give you discounts when you buy package deals. And, and the, point, uh, the point I'm trying to make is that when you shoot and you feel like your work is not being seen or the right people are not seeing it, I think it's our job to actually promote our work, to put it out there, to, to get feedback on, uh, to get a little bit more exposure. And if it's not too expensive or if it's cheap, if it's free, why not? It's all it takes is just a little effort from us. Mm-hmm. And I think when you're coming up in your business and you want to you wanna succeed, the the biggest thing should be is like to to become known you want to become visible so that people can think of you for work for 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 what you do one caution i'm sure you would agree with this there are some competitions where basically what they're doing it for is so that they get free photographs and so i always look at the fine print and i never sign You know, whether you win or not, we can use these. We don't have to pay you, you know, be a little suspect with the free wins. But definitely, you know, I think like I enter my local fair and I actually did sell a couple of prints over the years. But mostly it was to force myself to sit down and look at the body of work I had done over the year and refine it and figure out which ones are strong. And I know that my, my professional work has grown because of that activity of analyzing and showing other people and seeing which ones were, you know, entered, which ones got awards, which ones got rejected. (laughs) Funny story. There was an image that got best portrait in the Western United States in a, at the PPA association that didn't even get picked to be on the wall one year at the local fair. And then the next year it got second place. So it's also good to take judges opinions with a grain of salt. Yeah. I agree with everything you said. First of all, do the ones I mentioned are legitimate competitions, but yeah, please do read the small print. You don't want to sign over your copyrights just because you entered into a competition. But what's greater than like winning one of these competitions or even a small challenge and be able to show that to people that you are actually are on top of your game. You're doing something that people enjoy. And now you have some bragging rights that you can include on your website or in your bio 
to, to grow your business and, 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 and give yourself some kind of credit based on others' decisions. I think that's amazing. And if you get a, an award with that or a prize, that's even better. Yes. And even if we don't, we grow. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's the, the goal is never to win or to, to be on top of it. My, my goal usually is to have my work out there. And it's almost like a free website, right? Like if you have a link yeah. to somewhere else, that was the way you can refer back to that. You can share them on social media, let them know that your picture was chosen or it's a, it's a runner up. It's great. I think, you know, you can't beat it. No. And it takes a very small, small amount of effort from us to do it. Right. So I know that you also do some pro bono work for nonprofits. Yeah. Can you share a little about that and how you think that benefits the profitable photographer? I think, I think doing charitable work, is just, it's just good for the soul. I think it's almost like Christmas, right? Like to me, giving is the best part of it, not receiving. I think we're in a fortunate position where art is such a wide and beautiful thing where you can think of things that you can do to offer for others. You know, you could work with almost anything. So you don't even have to think hard about it. If you like cars, then you can help someone else who has cars, maybe a dealership or something like that. If you like animals, then you can go to a shelter and do portraits for animals and hopefully those Dogs and cats or other animals will be adopted based on your pictures. How would that make you feel? Wouldn't that be wonderful if you know that you made a difference? So I, I pick based on these things, what, what I'm interested in, where I want to land ahead. You know, right now we talk about climate change. It's so easy to go out there and take pictures of either dry lakes or beautiful, you know, sunsets or mountaintops and offer it to a national park or whatever for free and, and you know, just let them work with that. Uh, what I've done in the past, I worked with Hurricane Harvey victims. I, uh, I was there for one week during the aftermath. We helped organizing a lot of the logistics of getting uh, water and food out there to these uh, devastated areas and ended up working, you know, with our bare hands and help these people get out of their homes or move their furniture out of the way or whatnot. And, it's really about human connections. And I think it doesn't get any better when you are working hand in hand with other people, other photographers, and also working with a community. And you're gonna meet new people in the process. And if you're staying local with your charitable work, those people will remember you. And you may get a phone call when they need something, when things happen, or they may recommend you to someone based on your work ethics and, and, and how hard and diligently you worked on something that was a passion project. So I think it's really important to, to do, to give back. I so agree. And I believe in the law of reciprocity. Yeah. A couple of podcast episodes ago, I talked about how I did a calendar for San Diego County adoption two years in a row. And that after I completed the second one, I got a call from uh, the wife of a very prominent sports figure and was their photographer for eight years. And I feel like, you know, I wasn't doing the calendar to, you know, get anything other than the sharing. But that law of reciprocity is that when we give, it's like, okay, we've given. So now our hands are open, our hearts are open, our space is open. 
and so that goodness can flow back towards us. So my local professional photographers association, I learned the history of it and they were kind of limping along in the, in the fifties and early sixties. And then one of the board members got the group to start doing charity photography activities and very quickly. And from then on, it became a really vibrant community and it's been going strong and I'm the longest active member, but you know, it's a, that power of giving is, you know, I could do a whole new kind of podcast on just, you know, the power of giving. So thank you for sharing that. I think you should, Lucy. I think that's a great topic. So I know there's one other tip that you'd like to share with our listeners. Oh, yeah. I think it's really important for us to mentor others, the ones who need help, and also for us to look for mentorship. I think it's important to keep the craft of photography going, the experience, I think, that we all have. It's almost like a folklore, right? Like we need to keep it going. We Mm -hmm. need to give it to the newcomers and we need to learn from our experienced peers. And for example, I have this beautiful relationship with you, Lucy. You've been my mentor for almost a full year now. And I have learned a great deal, things that I could have never even thought about. You know, and it's not always it's not always technical. It's sometimes about behavioral. It's about, you know, how to look at the world, how to deal with challenges. There are questions that I had for you about how to word an email or how to respond to an email. I think these are all important things. And it's something that a lot of people don't think about. In America right now, there's a conversation about school versus apprenticeship. A lot of people are saying that we're missing apprenticeship from the workforce. We're losing the craftsmanship across the board because school is great because it teaches us how to do things, what to say, what to do. But in real life experiences, we need apprenticeship. And I feel having a mentor, that is what I'm getting. I'm getting apprenticeship. So thanks, Attila, for the shout out. Coaching you has been so much fun and we always have such great conversations and it's very gratifying to know that it supports you in continuing to grow in your your business, but also what you mentioned about some of those inner growth things that when I first signed up for a coach, for business, I didn't realize that I was also going to become a better version of myself, which then makes my business better. So it's, it's something obviously I believe in and I wish I had had more coaches and mentors earlier in my career. So anyway, it's a joy (laughs) to work with you. Last thought on that. A lot of people have been talking about how Photography is a social experience, but it's a lonely procedure or something like that, meaning that we're, we're alone most of the time and we're together with others a little bit of time. And it is, it is lonely behind the scenes. It, is, it can become depressing, right? If you don't have anything to, to talk out with anyone, if you, if you don't have a support system. And I think mentorship comes in where you are not alone. You can actually talk to someone. And once you're done with the shoot, you're done with your job, or you're prepping for a job, there's a person out there. You can reach out. You can ask 
questions. And I think it's, it's important because suddenly it's not a lonely experience. It's not a lonely journey. I also think that there is so much power in having someone else who is really good at holding a vision, aligning with you on that vision. And there's in the Bible, it says whenever two or more are gathered, there's just power in, in the shared dream. And, you know, I, sometimes when you might kind of get a little fuzzy about where you're going, I've got like this crystal ball and I, I see it so clearly. And, you know, I know my coach has that same, that same always positive outcome and positive vision for my career. So I have something to say about that. Our relationship also creates accountability. I have big ideas and I have a lot of plans, but sometimes I don't push it through. I don't, I don't, you know, they don't materialize, but having you in my corner talking about it, 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 it holds me accountable for what I'm saying. And I think that's another, this is why it's also important because it makes you get off your butt and you get to <laughs> doing things. I really believe that. Yes. I, I have the same with my coach where it's like, oh gosh, I said I was going to do this and I've got my call tonight. So I'm going to get it done. So yeah. Well, thank you for all of this goodness and the lovely shout out about our relationship. I'm sure people would like to know how to contact you. If anybody wants to get a hold of me, you have any questions, you need help with anything, you just, whatever, call me or text me. Number is 818-378-7775. And if you just want to see my work and you want to email me, my contact info is on my website. You can find me at attilaadam.com, spelled as A-T-T-I-L-A-A-D-A-M. Com. Looking forward to hearing from you guys. And thank you so much, Lucy, for this opportunity. It's been wonderful talking to you. So, Attila, you know, I always love our conversations and I knew that you'd have a lot of goodness to share with those who have tuned into The Profitable Photographer. So I want to remind you all that if you are ready for a change and ready to get serious about reaching your biggest dreams, send me an email with the title, Yes, Please, to receive one of the three strategy sessions I'm offering. And it's first come, first serve. And be sure to mention that it was the offer from Attila's podcast. Stay tuned for my wrap up after we say goodbye to Attila. So thank you so much, Attila. It's been my joy to have you on my show. It's been so much fun. Thanks again, Lucy. All right. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. So here's a reminder of some of the things that I talked about with Attila Adam. First off, he gave us a little inside view into life on a set for a commercial or a film. And because he does stills for those, and I found that pretty fascinating to hear a little about how that works and why they have a photographer there. And then he shared about how personal projects led to work. His first commitment was to use his camera. And I've seen some of his projects and they're just amazing. And I know that they have unfolded all kinds of other opportunities that were a side benefit for doing personal projects. 
He also talked about getting portfolio reviews, getting in front of art directors and art buyers and producers, ad agencies and so forth, and finding out what they're looking for, building connections, building relationships and the importance of that. And we talked a lot about how entering competitions has helped him hone his craft and why that's a a really great way to keep growing both professionally and as an artist. Another thing we talked about was how using our cameras for good for nonprofits and charitable causes is something dear to his heart as it is to mine. I think by now you might have figured that out if you've listened regularly. And then, of course, he talked about the importance of having mentors. And I so appreciate that he mentioned how our relationship as his coach has unfolded a lot of things that he would not have thought of and also held him accountable and helped him grow his business. So I want to thank you again for listening to this episode and remind you that it would be awesome if you wanted to send me an email that said, yes, please, and information about you to jump in on one of those three free strategy sessions that I'm offering with this episode. Have a great day. Talk to you later. You have been listening to The Highly Profitable Photographer with Lucy Dumas. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate, subscribe, review, and share. To connect one-on-one and learn more about our coaching programs, just go to lucydumascoaching.com. Until next time, go have fun photographing and selling your work.